What's up, you guys? It's your host, Anna. Welcome to this week's episode on Undereducated. The conversation I have for you today is unlike anything I've shared here before. It's a moving and intense story of a mental health journey that ultimately ends in an elective abortion. Especially in light of the political issues surrounding abortion, I share this story knowing that there are strong feelings on both sides of the issue. With that, I ask that whatever your personal beliefs are on the subject, that you tune in with listening ears. I ask that you listen with respect for others' choices and beliefs, even if they may be different from your own. As humans, we are quick to judge. And in sharing her story, Ali expressed to me that she felt so alone going through one of the most difficult experiences of her life because she feared telling anyone. She feared the responses of those around her. It's a lot more complicated than it looks on the surface. When I post an episode, I always ask the guest that has come on that week to send me a picture. And in attachment to that picture, I'd like to share what Allie wrote. She said, This picture was taken the day before I took the test. The day before I had the thought that I was diagnosed with pregnancy, rather than the normal thought of, I have a positive pregnancy test. This picture was taken the day I felt cramps while swimming in the ocean and felt so much relief. Little did I know that my favorite activity would later bring me so much fear and anxiety. I had no idea that in the future, swimming in the ocean would take me right back to when I felt like my body lied to me and gave me false hope. Trauma is such a heavy word, and trigger is such a buzzword, but now that's my reality. The smallest and most unexpected things now take me back to the most traumatic time of my life. And with that, you guys, let's tune in and get a little more educated together. Just kind of, we just travel, so we're kind of in Utah part-time, traveling part-time, kind of all over. Yes, your life is amazing. She and Coleman just, like, travel the world all the time. How long are you actually in Utah for? Like, a year? Um, it depends. This year we're renting out our house, and <coughs> we're just staying with our in-laws while... Oh, while you're here? Yeah. Oh, wait, that's so kind of amazing. <laughs> kind of a few weeks at a time, so this time around we just came home for our lake pal trip and then Coleman uh, started a new job so he came home for right. two weeks of onboarding and then we're leaving tonight so just just like a few three weeks, weeks on. that's so crazy yeah that's amazing um tell us a little bit about you and Coleman just kind of give us the backstory okay so w- I met Coleman uh, a few 
few months after I graduated high school, I was 18. Okay. He was uh, 23, going to the U. Okay. Where'd um, you guys meet? Through mutual friends. Okay. Kind of, well, so we grew up five minutes away from each other. That's true, actually. I didn't think about that. Yeah, but he's five years older, so we went to junior high, the same junior high and same high school. But never at the same time? No. Okay. And, but we knew a lot of the same people, and okay. so it was like kind of bound to happen at yeah. some point. Yeah. So... Yeah, just mutual friends. That's kind of crazy. I always laugh when, like, you you see people that are married that, like, you're like, I never would have put them together. But then you're like, they lived five minutes away from each other. Yeah. Like, it's not that crazy. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> it no. always makes me smile. It's funny because now it's like, oh, Coleman hung out with my best friend's older sister all the time. And, and like, how did we never, like, yeah, yeah it's so funny. Um. Well, today we're going to talk about kind of a big life experience that you and Coleman have gone through together, um, and I kind of want to let you just kind of take the wheel on it, share your whole experience, and we'll kind of chat back and forth as we go, but um, let's maybe hone in on when you and Coleman were like getting ready to get married, because I feel like that's kind of where your story starts. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but right. I feel like from what we've talked about, that's kind of where it begins. Definitely. So, um, we got married, we were together for a year and a half, we got married two weeks after I turned 20, so I was super okay. young. Yeah. Um, and a few months before we got married, kids came up and Coleman, I was shocked because Coleman said he only wanted one, maybe not even one. So I was like, Which you're like, what? Yeah, I was like... Which, does Coleman have, like, a lot of siblings? He grew up with five kids in the family. Okay, I was gonna say, I thought he had a bigger family. Yeah. Um, but he's not super close with his siblings, because they're, um, like, not close in age. Okay. Whereas I grew up really close with my siblings, and so I also grew up with five kids in my family. Okay. And I never had the... De- burning desire like I just want to be a mom when I grow up but I always felt like I needed to have five kids because that's what I knew mm-hmm. kind of when people a lot of people would say oh I grew up with three kids in my family I want three kids like it's perfect yes I, I just felt like I'm gonna have five kids because that's what I grew up with yeah and I feel like that's like something we get all the time Jake and I like they're like oh you came from a huge family are you gonna have 15 kids <laughs> I'm like whoa yeah uh, I have two and it's great yeah <laughs> you know? for sure. but I get that like feeling like that's what I knew that would be fun that's great yeah but I always kind of dreaded it growing up because <laughs> for a lot of reasons not just because I didn't want to become a mom yes. but I that was one reason I was like I don't want to grow up because I don't want to have to take care of kids <laughs> I don't want to be a mom and a lot of my friends it was kind of like, oh, what are you going to do when you grow up? Or what are you going to do when you graduate? Or, like, what are you going to use your degree for? And they'd say, well, I don't really care because I just want to be a mom. So I don't really need to get a job. Mm-hmm. So if my degree is useless, then it's fine. I'm like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, when people would say, I just want to be a mom. I just want to be a stay-at-home mom. I thought they were – I honestly was like, what do you – are you lying like are you just saying that for appearances like you don't actually mean that you don't know what that entails entails. Mm -hmm. 
I seriously never thought that anybody was being genuine or just that they were ignorant and didn't know what it meant to be a mom. Totally. And I think, like, especially where we grew up here in Utah, like, it's a big part of the culture to have, like, families, to, like, be a stay-at-home mom, like, to raise the children, you know what I mean? That's kind of the thing that happens. But as a society, we're now kind of going more towards, like, do a career, like, make something of yourself, but, like, you can do both. You can have kids if you want. Like, you don't have to have kids. You can do a career, you know? Like, there's a little bit of a vibe switch, I feel like. But, like, to what you were saying, having done both myself, like, I always thought I wanted to be just a stay-at-home mom. Like, I thought that would be fun. But then, like, I worked full-time from, like, while I had my first baby. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And, like, it was a really good thing for me to work, I think because it taught me a lot and it taught me to value the time I did get at home where now I have two children and I'm not working as a nurse right now I'm just like doing something from home and I have more time at home and like the monotony of being a stay-at-home mom is totally like hard it's no joke to be a stay-at-home mom and so like when people are like I'm just gonna do that I'm like sis it's not like I'm just gonna do that like it's a 24 7 365 gig that like is kind of groundhog day every day but also like emotionally draining physically draining mentally draining in so many ways just like a job is so it's just like it does make me chuckle too when people are like 15 and like I'm just gonna be a stay-at-home mom like sis maybe like at least go to school for a degree you like in case you want a job for sure yeah or whatever yeah okay so you didn't really feel like this urge to want to be a stay-at-home mom from when you were young never okay and as I got older I kind of was nervous about it I was kind of felt like am I ever gonna like want a kid or am I just gonna think okay, I guess it's time, like, this sucks, but I have to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I was always this kind of jealous, too, of my friends who were like, oh, my gosh, like, I just want to be a mom. I'm so excited. Like, I have a friend that was, like, buying baby clothes years before she had a baby, <laughs> just, like, collecting, collecting all the, the cute things little things. Yeah. And I was like, That's funny. she's so cute. But yeah, yeah, but you're, like, so different. Yeah. Like, I can't relate. Yeah. So I guess, was it relieving to some point that Coleman was like, I want maybe one? Or was it still kind of where you were like, no, but I'm supposed to have five? Yeah. So, I mean, it caused, I mean, I think we got in a fight. It wasn't a big deal. Yeah. But I was like, <laughs> just mind blown. Yeah. Because I, I don't think I have one friend that's just an only kid. I, I really don't. Yeah, I mean, in Utah, too, it's, like, I feel like everyone at least has two. Yeah, exactly. So I was just, like, how did that even work? Like, are they, they're so lonely or they're spoiled or whatever. I just didn't know how that was going to work. And then I know people who don't have kids, but I don't know if they're happy or what. Yeah. And so I was just, like, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know how that's going to work, but, um... But you guys worked through it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was Got fine. Because we were just like, oh, we don't want kids for a long time, so we'll figure it out. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, we got married. 
And then a few years later, um, in 2018, I was having, like, I didn't really know what was going on with me. I was just, like, I thought I was losing my mind. I thought I was going crazy. And one day, I don't know, I was, like, listening to a podcast or something, and I realized, I think I have anxiety. But it wasn't, I grew up with friends who had really severe anxiety, and so I thought I knew what anxiety was, Mm -hmm. but mine presented itself so differently, so I didn't realize it was anxiety. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really know what to do. I didn't know, like, the difference between a therapist, a psychologist, a psychiatrist. I it's didn't know. It's confusing. Like, I'm, honestly, I don't really know the differences. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's like NPs mm-hmm. and PAs and social workers yeah. that you can work with. And I just didn't know which ones like prescribe medicine and which ones yeah, you just like, talk like, to. Yeah. And so. I was kind of desperate, so I just called um, my general physician, mm-hmm. and I went in, and I just said, I think I have anxiety, and he just said, okay, here, take this little questionnaire on my computer, it was like multiple choice questions, um, he came back in the room, looked at my score, and said, yeah, it looks like you have anxiety, <laughs> he <Okay. laughs> prescribed me some medicine, and said, okay, come back in, I don't know, 60 days or something, tell me how you're doing, so I was like, Okay, I hope this helps. Were you just like at that point, like, I hope this helps? Like, is that how you felt? Yeah, I was so, so desperate Mm -hmm. because I seriously was losing my mind. Mm -hmm. I felt, I just did not know what was going on at all. Just felt like out of whack. I was so desperate. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I started taking the medicine and honestly, I don't even remember if it helped. Oh, no, it did help. Because okay. I remember thinking, oh, this is helping immediately. Even mm-hmm. though they say it, like, it takes, takes like a long time. Yeah, yeah. and I was like, wow, this is immediately working. <laughs> You're like kind of like placebo effect. This is great. Exactly. <laughs> Which kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then a few months later, I went to an NP... And she, like, diagnosed me. She was like, you have OCD and ADHD and, like, social anxiety and general anxiety. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, what? So one question. Did you follow up with that NP because, like, you still felt off? Or was it just kind of like a check-in? No, so so I went back to my general physician. And he was just kind of like, I don't know. He was just like, great, okay, yeah, like, go on with your life. Go, yeah. yeah. Okay. So after that checkup, I I can't remember why I ended up going. I wanted to find somebody else, mm-hmm. but I yeah, you just felt did. like yeah maybe you just like felt like you wanted a better level of care. Yeah, which like that's good. You were advocating for yourself to like, you know, get more attention with what you felt like was an issue. Yeah, that's good. So I went to the NP. She gave me all those diagnoses and gave me a ton of new medication. Which was that like more overwhelming or like relieving to hear? I guess. Um, I was. I kind of felt 
I trusted her and I felt like, wow, she knows so much more than <laughs> my general physician who was just like, okay, cool. Anxiety, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, she gave me actual like diagnoses mm-hmm. and said, oh, you do this because of this and cool. gave me explanations. Yeah. So I did feel relief, but it was also super overwhelming because mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, okay, like, I have this, 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 and this. Exactly. Like, where do I go from here? Yeah. So then she told me about this place called the OCD and Anxiety Treatment Center. Oh, she was cool. like, you need to go. You're, like, it's super severe. You should check it out. So I go over there, and I <laughs> they give me an evaluation or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I tell them all the medications and all the diagnoses. And they say that she's totally wrong. <laughs> she was like, you should not be taking medicine for that reason. That is not at all what it's for. Okay. You need to go to a psychiatrist. And so I go to the psychiatrist. And he gives me just the diagnosis of OCD okay. and like takes back my meds I just get on I think like one med two yeah meds. Okay. exactly and he um yeah he just kind of explained like you don't have this like at all okay so, so like how did you feel then <laughs> where you're like wait so <laughs> no, I don't have these I felt better at that point because at the OCD and Anxiety Treatment Center, they also said that you sound like you just have OCD. Okay. And then I had also found out that um, it ran in my family. My dad's side, a lot of people had OCD. Okay. And so at that point, it was just kind of um, flowing and making sense. Mm-hmm. And as they were, as I was learning about it, I felt... Like, it really... It just, like, resonated with you. You were like, okay, you're right. This yeah. is it. Okay. Yeah. Which, that can be hard. I feel like, especially when it comes to mental health, like, it is such a game of just, like, okay, maybe it's this. Maybe it's this. Like, maybe this will help. Maybe this will help. Because everyone's so individual. Mm-hmm. And, like, everyone's manifest different. Like you said, like, you had a friend who had anxiety. And you thought you had anxiety. And your doctor told you had anxiety. But then it wasn't anxiety. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's... It's just tricky. Yeah. So I understand how that could just be, like, frustrating, but also when you feel like you found, like, oh, yeah, like, this is, I think this is it, like, how that would, like, feel good to Mm -hmm. finally be where you're, like, I can accept this, this is good, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was very relieving, and I was really nervous to tell my parents, but when I told them, I think my mom just said, yeah, I'm not surprised, like, it makes sense. (laughs) You're like, Okay. (laughs) What? Okay. And I told my dad, and he was really nice. I, I told him, I was like, I, he was like, why are you scared to tell me? And I thought, well, I kind of thought that you just, like, didn't, because a lot of people don't believe mm-hmm. anxiety and mental health stuff is real, yeah. just because they've never felt it. Totally. And he was like, yeah, I might have thought that a while ago, but now I've had friends that have gone through it, and so I definitely believe you. And uh, That's awesome. So, yeah, I was really nervous to tell them, yeah. but it went well. It went well, good. <laughs> and 
Uh, okay, so then I started going to therapy five days a week, three hours a day at the OCD and anxiety treatment center. And that's where it really started to click and fall into place. I was going to group therapy every day and meeting with different therapists all the time. And I was also going to my psychiatrist maybe once a week at that point. Okay. Because when I met with these people, I was going to go to South America for a few months. And after I had told them all this stuff, they suggested that I stay home. They told me I was super severe and that I needed to get in therapy basically immediately because of just kind of things like self-harm and Mm -hmm. things that I was avoiding that were like really bad for my health. Mm -hmm. They just said, it's not even, it's affecting more than your mental health. Mm So, yeah, we canceled our trip, and I started therapy immediately. Wow. That's really intensive therapy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't, like, going through it, was it, like, was it hard? I know that's, like, that's, like, a stupid question, because I'm sure it was hard, but, like, tell me more about what the therapy was like. Yeah, so it was super hard. Uh, it's called, we did something called exposure therapy. Yeah, I've heard of that. Okay. Yeah, so for example, some people might have anxiety about touching doorknobs because of all the germs yes, or something. Exactly. Okay. And so to start, they'll uh, like touch a cotton ball to the doorknob and then make them touch the cotton ball. And then okay. the next uh-huh. step would be for them themselves to touch the cotton ball to the doorknob. And then for them to touch the doorknob. To touch the doorknob. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Like so that, we're like giggling, but I'm like, that would be like probably like yeah. so insanely terrifying for someone who's like nervous to do that though. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and I imagine that that would be so draining to know you're going to walk into it like a therapy session where like you're deepest fear is just going to be like (laughs) right in front of your face you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like I understand the point of exposure therapy is to like expose you to it enough that you overcome that like anxiety around that thing but still like that would be so hard yeah and was Coleman supportive of you going to therapy was he like totally on board yeah he was super on board he would come uh, twice a week oh, to wow. meet with nice. my um, individual therapist and cool. like I think my dad came a few times um, my friends even came a few times that's awesome like, everybody was super nice about it oh I love that that's really cool that you were able to kind of involve your support system yeah in your therapy so that everyone could kind of like help you you know yeah I love that yeah so at that point, I had been going for, I don't know, like a month or so, and I was getting better in a way, but also a lot worse, because basically they said you can't tolerate the distress, mm-hmm. because when you're doing the exposures, they would... You, you do one exposure for an hour with a person and they'll ask you throughout like 
what's your distress level on like a scale of one to five? And so anyway, I just was told that I couldn't handle the distress, that it was making me worse and that if it was causing me to want to self-harm or feel suicidal that I had to um, drop out. So basically, I didn't really get kicked out, but they said that... Yeah, they're like, for your health right now, like, it's almost better that we stop this exposure therapy. Yeah. Okay. So they told me that I needed to do DBT first, which is dialectical behavioral therapy, where they teach you skills (laughs) to cope with distress. Okay. So I was in there for a little over two years. I went through, um, I went through it twice, which a lot of people at, at the place that I go, they go through two or three a couple times. times. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I never went back to the OCD and anxiety treatment center. They told me like if you. They told me that I was more than welcome to come back after I did DBT, but I never felt like I needed to just mm-hmm. because. You felt like the like skills you gained from DBT just helped you enough yeah. that you didn't feel like the other therapy was necessary. Yeah. Huh, that's awesome. So is this like these coping skills, can you give us like an example of one, I guess? Yeah. So they teach you a lot about mindfulness. Okay. So throughout the whole uh, course you do a lot of mindfulness and so that's really big sorry no you're Um, fine it's been like I like smile too because I feel like mindfulness right now like it's such like a (laughs) I don't know everything is like mindfulness you know but there is so much power in being able to like take a second every day to like be mindful and like Mm-hmm. Set an affirmation for the day, or you know what I mean, like something that just sets you off on the right tone. Yeah. Especially when like you go into a situation that may be triggering for you to be able to be like fall back to that like mm-hmm. okay this morning I set off and I was like already in this vibe and I'm gonna stay in this vibe. You know? Yeah. Because if you are being truly mindful, then you don't really have time to worry about the future or the past mm-hmm. and. So it really does help. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I totally get that. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's kind of how you felt the most success in overcoming this kind of mental health challenge that had been placed in your life now that you have these diagnoses. Yeah. Okay. Like, medication was huge, getting that kind of figured out. Um, Once I met with my psychiatrist, I think we tried out a few different things, and then... I've been on the same medication for four years now, okay. and it's been super, super great for me. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Good. So going to therapy and figuring out my medication has been huge. I tell everybody, go to a psychiatrist, not a general physician. Mm-hmm. Their general physicians don't know nearly as much. Yeah, well, it's not their specialty. Like, yeah. they, they couldn't. They couldn't work with you in the depth yeah. that a psychiatrist has. Yeah. I'm glad that you found that for you. Like, I think that's obviously made a huge difference in just, like, where you're at now, six years later. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. Um, so 
So let's see, what would come next in your story? You've kind of conquered your mental health to an extent, like you're like feeling good where you are in your therapy and stuff. Did they give you the okay to travel again, I guess? Yes. Okay. So during, when I was at the OC Anxiety Treatment Center, Mm -hmm. you can't miss a single day, otherwise they'll charge you like $200. That's crazy. (laughs) Because... When you have anxiety, you'll come up with any excuse. Scenario not to go. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so um, I wasn't able to travel there, but when I was in DBT, I was... You could travel. Yeah, I could travel okay. whenever I wanted because nice. it was only once a week group therapy. Oh, way nice. Yeah. And so just last year, Coleman and I started traveling full time again okay. last um, November. But before that, we had just kind of been doing trips on and off. And after going to therapy and getting on medication, travel completely changed. Really? I just, because I used to have a lot of anxiety about using public restrooms and getting dirty and mm-hmm. eating. Like, I would just starve. So, for an example, I had a lot of anxiety about going like ordering off menus because I wanted to order the perfect thing mm-hmm. and and there's like 5,000 options and you're like what am I gonna pick yeah, yeah. and it would drive Coleman crazy because I would say what are you ordering like he had to order first because I didn't want to order the same thing as him mm-hmm. anyway it was just this whole thing so after I kind of figured all that out traveling got so much easier because mm-hmm. I don't know, going to grocery stores was easy, staying, like, we wouldn't stay in super nice places a lot of times, so staying in crappy places wasn't as scary, and camping was so much easier, and before that, I would, it would, we would still do it, but it was just so much, there was just so much fear and anxiety around it, and it was it sucked for Coleman because he had to deal with me. <laughs> no, but it also, like, for you, like, it just, it probably wasn't fun, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. it was more anxiety-ridden than it was fun, and that's just, like, hard. Yeah. You know? Mm, we definitely came home from a few trips early, like, booked last-minute tickets because I just was, like, couldn't, do it anymore. couldn't deal anymore. Mm-hmm. And Coleman <laughs> couldn't deal with it <laughs> yeah, anymore. He's like, either. yeah, we're going home. <laughs> exactly. And so... Travel just got so much nicer, and mm-hmm. just living life got so much nicer. I mean, yeah, anyway, life got a lot better. Right. So after that, kind of back to kids. Okay, so I, how long have you been married at this point? Um, I, okay. Like four or five years, maybe? Yeah, so now I've been married for six years, so... I don't know. Three or four? Yeah, <laughs> okay. a few years. Okay, a few years. Long enough that like you're like, okay, mm-hmm. should we have kids? Yeah. Okay. And going through therapy, a big thing that I would talk to my therapist about is 
when should I have kids? How many kids should I have? Should I adopt kids? Should I do, okay. I don't know, this or that? Yeah. And it was still like a very poignant thing that you were feeling yeah. like pressure about. And they would just say, Allie, we can't tell you what to do. Like, that is a huge decision. We cannot tell you what to do. But I just wanted them to tell me what was right. Mm-hmm. And what, like, I just wanted their input. Yes. And they couldn't, <laughs> You're unfortunately. Like, Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah. And one day it just kind of clicked that I didn't have to have kids right now. And I didn't have to have kids at all if I didn't want to. And it just brought so much peace. And I just felt so free. Mm-hmm. And I had never felt that before when it came to the thought of having kids. So yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, I bet that was really freeing because it was obviously something you'd been like contemplating and spending mental energy on for years. Mm-hmm. Like we started this podcast and you were talking about your friends when you were children wanting to be moms and you not relating. Yeah, That was like 15 years earlier. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's a lot of mental energy that you had spent on that. And to be able to like have that click and come to terms like it's okay if I don't want to do that, like, that's okay. I'm sure Mm -hmm. that was so relieving and just, like, a breath of fresh air, kind of. Yeah. And when people ask me, when when are you guys having kids? Mm -hmm. I I never felt, like, anxiety around that. I was just, like, whatever. Because a lot of people are going through stuff, like, they're doing IVF or can't have kids, and it, like, is triggering for them to get asked that question Mm -hmm. but when I was asked that question I never really cared and I was just like "Mm, I don't know whatever (laughs) um oh where was I going with this (laughs) oh oh so I when I would tell people because I was just like I don't care anymore I'm just gonna tell people that I don't want kids Mm -hmm. they would push back and they'd say Allie, you're so good with kids. Like, you're always babysitting. You've been a nanny. You've, like, I taught kids sewing and cooking classes for years. And, like, mm-hmm. I worked at an elementary school. And people would just say, you're so good with kids. Like, kids love you, all mm-hmm. this stuff. And they'd say, don't you want just, like, one of your own to see what it'll look like? Like, you and Coleman make such cute babies. You're the not the reason to have a child, but... <laughs> yeah, so I get a lot of pushback, Yeah, which was frustrating, because totally. I'm like, sure, I'll have a kid, do you want to take care of it? Because yeah. I don't. Yeah, you're kind <laughs> of like, respect my space and my choice a little bit. Yeah, know? so I had never really cared before until then, and it just it just got frustrating, mm-hmm. and it, it kind of still shocks me how many people ask of that question. Mm-hmm. It's... It's mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you said, I wish, like, just as, like, a general societal, like, respect, that people would realize that that question can be triggering, like, no matter why the person on the other side of the conversation is, like, not having children, be it fertility, be it, like, timing, be it they don't want children, like, it can be a very triggering thing, and people are very insensitive about it, and... Being on the other side of it, it's also hard because you don't want to, like, divulge necessarily, like, all the details of your fertility journey or, like, your reasons for not wanting children to, like, some random stranger that's like, you should have kids. You're like, what, I'm going to jump into my OCD journey with you? Like, I don't want to. (laughs) But you know what I mean? And, like, for them, I feel like 
there's just a level of insensitivity that surrounds the whole conversation that I wish people were more aware of. I think it just can be very like hurtful yeah. um, to be on the other side of it. And people don't intend to, like, hurt your feelings, you know? Like, they're asking with good intention. I genuinely believe that when they're like, when are you going to have kids? But it just, it's taking a step back and being like, you know what? You don't know every piece to their picture and, like, know when to keep your mouth shut, (laughs) you know? I don't know. Off on my tangent, but. So you were, people were asking you when you're going to have kids, but you've come to a point where you were like, it's okay, like, it doesn't bother me anymore. Yeah. And you and Coleman have kind of come to, like, terms, like, we're not going to have children. Yeah. We we had just felt like we don't need to put pressure on ourselves. We're, we're super young. I'm now 26. He's 30. Yeah, That's, still young. We're super young. Yeah. I still have, what, 15 years to have kids? <laughs> but for real, like, your fertile window is still, like, huge at this yeah, point. exactly. And so, let's see, now it's August, or let's say September 2021. Okay. Um, we're, at this point, we had thought, like, okay, maybe we'll adopt or foster. We kind of played with the ideas, but we just weren't putting pressure on ourselves, and we were thinking most likely we weren't going to have kids. Just, there are so many reasons. I would, like, if I got pregnant, I'd have to get off my medication. That would be super hard. Like, going through postpartum stuff and just, Which is gnarly. Like, it is. And I just, neither of us had the desire. Coleman, I mean, I love him, but he's just not really a kid person like mm-hmm. he's good with kids but he's just not one of those people that yes he's oh not like gosh, oh i love kids yeah i love hanging out with my nephews <laughs> yeah <laughs> no for real so yeah at that point we had decided i don't think we're gonna have kids okay and we just felt really good about it and yeah and we thought we can change our minds if we want we can adopt yeah, you're still young like whatever. you want to change your mind Exactly. And so September 2021, we're on vacation and I'm thinking my period is late. And I. At this point, like you were on birth control. Yeah, so I had the Paragard IUD. Okay. And for maybe a few years at this point, I'd been asking Coleman, like, are you going to get a vasectomy yet? He was super scared. Okay. (laughs) He had, I don't know, heard horror stories and was just super nervous. And he didn't feel uh, any rush because he was like, your birth control is 99% effective. Like, you're not going to get pregnant and there's no side effects because it's copper. Mm -hmm. Like, can you give me a minute? Like, he, he was totally on board, but he was just really scared. Yeah. Understandable. And so I was like, Colin, I'm late. And I'm like, you need to freaking schedule a vasectomy because it just gives me so much anxiety. Like, I highly, highly, highly doubt I'm pregnant, but just the thought is still there. And Mm -hmm. he was like, okay, I will. 
So, um, like, a few days later, like, my breasts get super tender. Like, I'm, like, running down the beach, and I'm like, what is going on? Why do they hurt so So bad? bad. (laughs) And I am feeling kind of nauseous, but when I, I kind of thought that it was because I hadn't taken my medicine, like, on schedule, which can make me feel really sick. Okay. And I was feeling tired, which I was like, oh, it's just jet lag yeah, and the traveling. sun, because yeah. we're on a beach vacation in Africa, so I was like, the sun, the jet lag, yeah. the food, Talking the stress. Talking it up to be anything but being pregnant. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, I just had my period, like, I'm fine. Yeah. Anyway... It had been a few more days, <laughs> and the last day we were there, I was just like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait to get home. Like, I need to take a pregnancy test. Mm-hmm. I was feeling so much anxiety. We are swimming in the ocean, and I'm starting to feel cramps, and I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, yeah, like, I'm starting my period. Like, I feel so much better. Thank goodness. Um, but I didn't get any blood, but I was like, I feel like I get cramps before the blood comes, so I was fine. Yeah, it kind of puts you at ease. Yeah. Fast forward to when we get home, I buy two pregnancy tests, I take them, there's super, super faint lines, like, so faint, and I, like, my heart sinks, mm-hmm. and Coleman is still in disbelief, just like... He's like, no. You're not pregnant. The lines aren't there. But I'm like, come on. It says Like, even right the faintest there. line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but this whole time, like, the weeks prior, he's like, no, you're not pregnant. Like, you seem such a boy. Yeah. He doesn't <laughs> understand. <laughs> yeah. You're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So the next day, I call my OB. I say, I think I'm pregnant and I have an ID. Can I come in? I go in. And I'm just, like, parained that all of this is just a coincidence and the pregnancy tests were not positive i'm in the waiting room <laughs> thinking like i'm like shaking sweating like just like so much anxiety the cute receptionists are like oh do you need to go to the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> you're like um maybe <laughs> yeah i have the nervous pees every two seconds <laughs> yeah so they get me into an ultrasound i'm again still just sweating and just like shaking and she tells me what did she say she was like yeah it looks like you have you're at five weeks and I don't know three days something like that and I just start bawling and (laughs) she she was just like I'm so sorry like this is Seriously, does not happen very often. Just, I'm so, so sorry. Mm-hmm. Everybody was so nice. But she just said, okay, like, I'm going to take you to the doctor's office or, like, room, and he's going to come talk to you. So I go in there. He takes out my IUD, and at this point, I'm like, please let it be an ectop pregnancy because I did not want this baby like already in my mind it I'm just like my mind is flooded and 
rushing back and forth and I'm thinking I just want a miscarriage like please 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 let this be an ectopic pregnancy because that happens when you have an IUD a lot of times mm-hmm. um, unfortunately for me <laughs> well it was not mm-hmm. um, so everybody the surgeon's so nice I'm falling this whole time they're just saying I'm so sorry like this is awful yeah. this is not what you plan I'm so sorry my doctor asks me so he says as your doctor I have to ask you are you gonna keep it and I just said yeah I guess like if I have to basically yeah. <laughs> just like, if I have to yeah and uh, so they say all right like let's schedule for you for next week like see if everything's still okay because it was high risk. Yeah, being with an IUD. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I go home. I'm just following the 30 minutes home. <laughs> well, like, we, like, chuckle about it, Allie, but hearing that news for real, like, obviously it wasn't me in that situation. It was you. But I can only imagine what you were feeling. Like, yeah. to, like, have the ultrasound tech be like, no, this is real. Yeah. Like, just that shattering emotion of, like, holy crap, like, my biggest fear is now being realized, it literally. Was, it was devastating. Yeah. Like, I had had nightmares about getting pregnant and, like, being in labor. I still do. I have ni- mm. I have nightmares all the time that I'm just suddenly, I'm like, like huge pregnant. wait, I'm pregnant? Birth. Wait, I'm on the operating table? I'm in labor? What? Yeah. It's, so, it was devastating. Mm-hmm. And just to, it was, like, Coleman had been telling me for whatever, two plus weeks, like, you're not pregnant, like. Yeah, you're, like, kind of in denial a little bit. When yeah. You're like, oh, I've been telling myself this isn't real, like, it's not real. How yeah. is it real? Like. And I was yeah. mad that he wasn't right. And so I go home, and he sees me, and he just knows immediately. And I was, I was mad at him, because I was like, I freaking told you that I was pregnant, you yeah. know. Anyway, so at this point, I'm just like, I, this sucks so bad. My life is over. Like, I just want to have a miscarriage so, so badly. Like, I'm just praying, like, please, can I have a miscarriage? Mm-hmm. And me and Coleman, like, Coleman was just like, Allie, like, it's going to be fine. Like, I know this isn't what we planned, but mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. Like, I'm here for you. We can do this. And I'm just, like, Googling how to, like, <laughs> I don't know, trigger a miscarriage, like, all the things. And I'm thinking, oh, like, I'll starve myself because when mm-hmm. – you weigh a certain amount, you, you don't have a period, and so maybe that'll make yeah, you have a miscarriage. Like maybe I can make my body think that I'm not in a spot where I can carry a child. Exactly. Like, yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, I'll just take a ton of ibuprofen because you're not supposed to do that when you're pregnant. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like thinking the most terrible thoughts. And was that like startling in some ways to like have found yourself in that mental spot? Like, or, like, I guess in retrospect, like, when you think back on that, where you're like, wow, like, I went to a dark place, like, pretty quick with this news. Yeah, I mean, I feel guilty and, like, super embarrassed. I'm, like, I just feel ashamed, I guess, that I 
was feeling so desperate to not be pregnant. Mm. Yeah. Those are hard emotions, right? Yeah. You know, to feel in any circumstance, but especially like when you're like, man, like, how did I do that? You know, but mm-hmm. in the moment you were just like fight or flight. Like you were like, I am in, I'm living my worst fear. Yeah. Like, what do I do? You know? Yeah. So then uh, Coleman, we've been talking for a long time, and he just finally said, like, you don't have to do this. Like, you don't have to keep it. Like, you're only five weeks and a few days. Like, you are barely pregnant. Like, mm. just kind of asked me, do you want to terminate? And he said that he was perfectly fine either way Mm. he would support me in either decision that's very lucky to have a partner that was like open either way for you yeah i felt really lucky he was great but at the same time i felt frustrated because i was like like, just tell me what to do exactly Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he's like no your body (laughs) your choice psychiatrist (laughs) yeah i can't tell you allie (laughs) just tell me yeah exactly so I end up deciding that I think I want to terminate. So. And how did you feel when you, like, came to that conclusion? I felt really a lot better, and I felt relief, but I was also so scared Mm -hmm. because I didn't personally know anybody who had had an abortion. And (laughs) Coleman was saying, of course you do, it's, one in three, one in four. Yeah, I, I think that's the statistic. I'd have to double check on it, but I think yeah. that's right. Yeah, it's, it's more common than you think. But Way people don't talk about it. Yeah, so he was saying, yes, you do. You know, lots of people, you just... You just don't know you know. Yeah, you just don't know about it. And so I was just so scared because I didn't know what was going to happen. It's always, you see it in the movies and read about it in books, and it is it seems so terrifying. So I was super scared, but I called my OB and told them I was canceling my appointment because I was going to terminate. And they were so nice about it, which made me feel better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so at that point, I made an appointment at Planned Parenthood. And okay, so they don't do the termination at your OB office. You went somewhere else. No. Okay. I was like, kind of hoping they would because I was like, I'm not going to keep it. Like, now like what? Mm-hmm. And she was like, hey, you need to call Planned Parenthood. And I was like, I You're can't. like, great, another phone this call I have to make to like sucks. verbalize that I'm terminating my pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, the next day, something I can't really remember the timeline. I go in, you have to go and take a kind of like a class where they explain to you like, what you're doing and what's going to happen and... Just make sure you completely understand, like, what's about to happen. Exactly. Okay. So, after you do the class, you have to wait. I can't remember if it's 48 hours or 72 hours, but you have to wait. Okay. Like, make sure that this is what you want to do. So, I wait... And then 
I don't know if this is too much detail, like if it's getting mundane, but I ended up going to, there's, so there's two places in Utah that you can get an abortion. Uh, Planned Parenthood was too far out, so I went to, I think it's Wasatch Women's Center. It's in like Mill Creek. So I ended up going there. And I, they gave me some pills. I don't know like what they are, but Mm -hmm. so you go in, they give me this one pill. They kind of watch me and make sure I'm okay. Mm -hmm. And then you go home and take another pill later and it kind of triggers contractions okay. I believe in my head I'd have to research this because I don't know in my head I'm guessing you'd be taking a pill called Cytotec which is like what we give to women in labor to like induce labor okay. and like you can take it orally or like vaginally and that's mm-hmm. by the cervix and it like causes your cervix to dilate yeah um so that's what I would assume because it can trigger contractions and like send your body into labor yeah um but I do not know no I can totally look that up and figure it out that sounds right because one of the pills I don't remember how many but one of the pills I take like every six hours or something like that yeah yeah so I one of the pills I did insert vaginally because it's like most effective that way it's most effective because it's just like right at the cervix Mm -hmm. and it's like right on the tissue helps it to just like thin out and dilate yeah. And trigger labor. So. Yeah. So, they had told me like you're gonna have pretty severe cramps, but you'll just start bleeding and it'll pass, and come in in like a week. I was like, okay, great. I've had terrible periods and terrible cramps my entire womanhood, <laughs> and so I'll be, like, fine. I'll be fine. Yeah, I was not worried at all because they were just like, you can take some ibuprofen. That's it. I was yeah. like, Okay. So, um, I, like, was just waiting for the cramps. They finally start, and they are insane. They are so, so painful. I was, like, trying to watch a movie. I was trying to read. I could not concentrate on anything. And it was, like, oh, it was so, so bad. And I was just, like, crying, I don't know, maybe screaming, I don't know, it was so, so bad, um, nothing was helping, at one point, I was, like, on the toilet bleeding, and, like, throwing up, and I, like, passed out, so Coleman, like, drags me off the toilet, and, like, he's, like, trying to wake me up, yeah, I was in so much pain, so much pain. I I don't know. Maybe I passed out from the pain. Maybe I passed out from something else. I don't know. Either way, you passed out, Allie. Like, so, Coleman, I was out for like 10 minutes, thankfully. 10 minutes of relief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on the bright side. <laughs> yeah. And he was like about to call 911. He was like, I've never been so scared in my life. Yeah, he's probably, like, panicking, though, for real. Like, yeah. His wife literally just passed out on the toilet. <laughs> yeah. Like, what do you do? Yeah. So, finally, I wake up, and I'm just, like, right back there in so much pain. It is mm. terrible. Probably the worst pain I've ever felt. It was okay. absolutely terrible. Yeah. Um, 
it didn't last too long, maybe a few hours, and then it just kind of felt like a normal period. So okay. that was that was good. Yeah, probably a relief. To yeah. Like, okay, back to something I can kind of manage. Yeah. So then, um, uh, let's see. So then I go back to the Wasatch Women's Center. I think that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. I go back to the clinic, and they tell me I'm all clear, like everything looks good. And to take a pregnancy test in, I think, like 25 days. Okay. And so I go home, and I don't know, I felt great. Like, we went on a trip with my family, and I wasn't really consuming my thoughts as much as I thought it would. I felt pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so you were feeling like you'd made the right decision. Like you had kind of come to like peace with it. Like your anxiety around mm-hmm. the situation had kind of di- dissipated. Yeah. Okay. So at this point, the only people who knew were Coleman, my doctors and nurses, and then I called my psychiatrist as well, and he knew. And, and so it just... It, it kind of felt good that nobody knew, but also mm-hmm. I kind of wanted more people to know so that, I, I don't know, I just was, like, felt so alone. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, this. Well, you, like, you had just gone through an extremely hard thing, like, super physically painful, very emotionally taxing, like, mm-hmm. mentally exhausting. Yeah. And, like, the support people that, like, we had talked about earlier were there every step of your therapy. Like, they yeah. have been your support people through yeah. every kind of challenge you've had since you, like, started your mental health journey. Like, mm-hmm. weren't there for almost, like, this, like, clinical challenge that you were, like, going through almost alone with Coleman, you know? Yeah. I can imagine that just, like, feeling very lonely. Yeah. Even if they weren't experiencing the same thing as you, you know what I mean? But, like... Just to feel like your people weren't there. That would be really hard. Yeah. So I was feeling really good, but at the same time lonely. and Very isolating. (laughs) I don't know. My Coleman and my psychiatrist is a guy. And so it's kind of like like, (laughs) they're understanding, but they don't Don't know. Because they're just super reassuring. You know, tons of people have had abortions. Like, Allie, there's nothing to feel bad about. Like, you, like, didn't take this lightly. It was a really hard decision. But I'm just like, you're guys and don't know anything. Yeah. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Even though they were super supportive. And I'm really grateful. Um, okay. So I guess at this point, it was, like, um, middle of October. I had gotten my termination at, like, six weeks and a few days. It was really early on. I was really lucky. And I'm out to dinner with my friends. And my, my one of my best friends announced that she's pregnant. And, I mean, obviously I knew this was coming. Like, yeah. it, I don't know, we're mid to late 20s. Yeah, like you had a bunch of married friends. We're getting older. You're like, yeah, my friends are going to have babies if they want them. Yeah. And I ask, when is your baby due? And she tells me, whatever. And I, like, my stomach drops. It's two days away from when my due date would be. And I'm thinking, oh, 
like I make it as like a bad decision like should I have kept my whatever should I not have gotten an abortion mm-hmm. like we could have had a baby together like we could have had joint baby showers and I'm just thinking all the things mm-hmm. and I I don't know I go to the bathroom and cry I don't remember <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that was like startling news just to like have that right in your face like so fresh from your experience too you know yeah like your abortion was weeks before and then like Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh my friend is literally going through what I was going through yeah like right now you know so I hadn't felt really guilt or regret at this point Mm -hmm. but this is like probably the only time that I had regretted it is when I found out she was having a baby same time that I was due. And just for the next few days, I just felt uh, super, super depressed. I just really felt like I had made a mistake. And I, I don't know. I just didn't. I kind of expected that throughout the next few years after my abortion that I would feel like, probably regret and guilt and all the things but it just came so soon after Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like so strongly that it I don't know it was scary but I was still seeing my psychiatrist at this point and Coleman was also there for me so it was all good (laughs) yeah you had you had your coping skills and like people that you could talk to even though this kind of like took you I don't want to say took you to a dark place but like it was hard like definitely like mental health wise it was like wow this is something that I didn't think I'd have to face this soon kind of yeah okay so um back to that dinner (laughs) my friends noticed that I was had been crying even and so they got it out of me I was like yeah I was pregnant but not pregnant anymore like we were due at the same time so I guess I'm just sad but I was like I'm fine I'm fine like it was like not a planned pregnancy I had my ID like I'm fine I'm fine and they were super nice they were like no you don't need to like minimize it like that's really hard so even though they didn't know that I had an abortion it was felt nice to know that somebody knew a little bit yeah. at least yeah. that so. they could support you in like your loss yeah of what you had just gone through mm-hmm. yeah and then a few days later mm, my friend that was pregnant um I actually told her that I got an abortion mm-hmm. I was I don't know she got it out of me somehow <laughs> and so I was so scared but in my mind my psychiatrist had told me like it would be I think it would be a good idea to find maybe a friend or two that you can really trust that you can tell because he didn't want me to keep it as like a dirty little secret to like eat away at me Mm -hmm. and so in my mind I had gone through all my friends like I don't want to tell them because they're going through this or I don't want to tell them because I don't know I don't want them to think of me differently and so I felt really good about telling this friend 
and she was super nice about it, and I am really grateful that I told her, even though I don't think we've talked about it since. I told her in October. It just... Just to be able to, like, know someone else knew. Yeah. And, like, loved you in your decision. Like, they were like, it's okay. Yeah. And she understood. She was like, yeah, like, you never expected to do that. And I know it was a super hard decision, but, like, I still love you. Mm -hmm. And it just felt good to have somebody know that loved me Mm -hmm. other than Coleman. And that was a girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, that could relate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, sorry, they, I've been telling a lot of details. Oh, perfect. I want the details. I love this. This okay. is going to be amazing. Okay. So, uh, this point, it's been the 25 days or so, I take the pregnancy test, another faint line, and I, like, this is fake this can't be happening it was i i was like this is not real so i call the clinic they're like okay come in um the lady tells me i'm pregnant she i do another pregnancy test and she was like yep you're pregnant let's do an ultrasound so she does an ultrasound and she says yeah it looks like you're 10 days pregnant and i was like this is not possible it's absolutely impossible because we had only had sex once in the past I don't know month Mm. and we used a condom and it was like six days ago so I was like like, this literally can't even be 10 days pregnant yeah and she was like I don't know what happened but you're pregnant and I asked this is it left over like did it not all pass when I terminated and she was like I know like this is you're pregnant but I was confused because I thought that I was on my period because I had been bleeding for two weeks at this point so it was just I was just confused and I couldn't go to my OB because I was going out of town the next day and so I just had to trust this lady I mean she's also an OB and she does this every day but I don't know I can't even imagine like you're like I'm back where I started how am I how am I pregnant again yeah especially with everything you had gone through like in the previous six weeks like you're just like yeah what so she had told me she was like if you really are bleeding as much as you say like pretty like moderately for the last two weeks you're gonna have a miscarriage mm-hmm. so I was like okay thank goodness yeah I mean that probably was relieving to you you're like yeah. good like Which I won't have to go through what I just went through again and like this pregnancy will just pass and it'll be okay I felt I feel so bad for like praying and hoping for a miscarriage when for other women it's their worst nightmare yeah and I feel so bad about it, but... Here's the thing, Alan, okay. and, like, obviously just my opinion, but, like, we've talked about this a little bit, and I think the beauty of this podcast is that, like, everyone's motherhood, womanhood journey is different, and, like, for what one person looks like their worst nightmare is someone that's, like, 
greatest achievement. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. someone wants to be a mom, someone wants a career. Someone wants to be a mom, like, someone doesn't want kids at all. Like, mm-hmm. we're all different. And, like, from the outside, nobody knows every piece to, like, your puzzle. Nobody understands your struggles, your concerns, like, where you're at. And so, like, for you to feel badly, like, it's, like, it makes me sad that you feel bad in the decision that, like, you know is right for you. Because, like, of wherever that sad feeling is coming from of, like, oh, I feel bad about this. Like, you like, cultural or, like, societal pressures or, like, just, like, the way in general that pregnancy is viewed because it is usually just, like, it's so sad when you have a miscarriage or, like, it's so happy when you have a baby, you know? Yeah. But, like, we've just heard your entire story and you sharing that, like, you had decided that, like, for you, being a mom was not it, you know? And so, like, for you to have a miscarriage was, like, helping you kind of meet your goal of not having a baby. Like, I know that sounds like a weird way to say it, but it's just, like, it's, it wasn't a sad thing for you. It was something that was, like, a relief. Yeah. And it's okay for that to be the feeling that's attached to that experience for you. And, like, I just want to validate that because I'm, like, it might not be the way I feel. But, yeah. like, for you, that was, like, the emotion and that's, like, appropriate. It's fine. You know? Thanks. <laughs> not that you need my validation, but no. I'm just, like, I, I hope people understand that. Like, it's just, like, Everybody's going to respond differently to situations and, like, everybody's going to feel differently. Mm. And that's, like, okay. Respect that they are different than you and that's fine. Yeah, know? for sure. It just feels yeah. wrong, yeah. even though, yeah, you're right. But, yeah, no, but it's, I mean, if that's something that, like, is good to accept and be like, wow, like, I ha- also have, like, this emotion around this experience. But, like, to work through it and be able to be like, but I went through it and, like, this is the like crowning emotion I want to feel about it in the end like I don't want to feel this like sad feeling I don't know yeah not a therapist anyway <laughs> no you're so nice and and you, you're right um but you went on your trip you couldn't go to the OB okay. you went on your trip after being told you were pregnant like yes so I felt okay about going because she had told me like, this pregnancy isn't viable like if you've been bleeding two weeks, like, you're, you're not, mm-hmm. yeah, but at this point, I'm still confused, like, we've had sex once with a condom, it was only a few days ago, how am I 10 days pregnant, I was just so confused, but I trusted her, so I go on my trip, which we were going to be on for, like, five or six weeks, and it was, so I was kind of nervous about that, just kind yeah. of, like, if it, if I'm not going to miscarry, like, I don't yeah, know. if you're not gonna miscarry, that baby's gonna be like, I don't know, stable form. Yeah, and yeah. I'm thinking, I don't know if I can terminate again. Like, I don't know if I can do that. Am I gonna have to be a mom? Yeah, you're kind of back to like square one. Yeah, and so I call. I actually call my OB, and they had said, I don't think you're pregnant because that. It is nearly impossible to see on an ultrasound a, yeah, a fetus that small. That is very odd. Mm-hmm. But they 
didn't see me in the office, so they were kind of didn't really know what was going on either. But she had said the same thing. If you're bleeding this much, then you're, it's not viable if you are pregnant. But getting that positive pregnancy test gave me a whole new fear that I can get pregnant with an IUD. I get pregnant with a condom. I, like, am just, there's no way to prevent a pregnancy at this point for me. Mm-hmm. So... I had a lot of anxiety and fear around having sex and being intimate with Coleman, like holding hands, hugging, kissing, because anything can lead to sex for me at this point. Like in my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, sleeping next to him, he's going (laughs) to just ask me to have sex at any moment. So I'm just coming up with all the excuses because I'm so scared. Which I feel bad because I don't want him to feel rejected. And obviously, like, I feel like the longer I wait to have sex, the scarier it's going to be. But, oh, I think I skipped. Coleman got a vasectomy right after I... The termination. I, I think it was even before that. It was, like, right when we got home from our trip from he just like called and made an appointment because he was like even if you're not pregnant like I just need to do it okay so at this point we're on our trip it's November and he had to wait I don't know like 12 weeks something like that to get um to send his semen in and like get it checked and make sure there's no Mm sperm in it Mm -hmm. so I'm at this point I'm thinking okay once you get it checked then I'm not going to be scared to have sex. And I, I'm telling him that, like, don't worry, like, it's a few more weeks, and then, like, I'll be able to have sex with you. Like, just hold on a little longer. Like, please just be patient. And he was great. He's just, I mean, I guess a little frustrated. Yeah, and he's obvious like obvious frustration, like, understandable. And he's just like, you're not going to get pregnant again. Like, yeah. he's just, like, doesn't really understand why I'm so scared. I mean, he understands to a point. Yes, but he's also like, okay, he are doesn't we being rational here? Exactly. Yeah. So, come December, I go back to my OB, and they give me the Mirena IUD. That's, so I had been on, I had been with the IUD without hormones. Now this is the IUD with hormones. And so they were like, this one is just the slightest more effective because my IUD before had just um, like come down in my cervix just a little bit. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's why I didn't know because a lot of times it's super painful when your IUD, mm-hmm. whatever. Moves yeah, exactly. Moves. But mine had just barely moved. And so he was like, I'm going to put it super far in there. It has hormones. Like. I really don't want you to get pregnant again. Like, that was terrible. So I get the IUD, and at that point, they were telling me, when you got that second pregnancy test, we don't think you were pregnant. There's no way. Yeah. So well, that... Plus, like, Coleman had had his vasectomy. Yeah. Like, it was, like, one more layer of, like, that probably didn't happen. 
Exactly. (laughs) So that made me feel a little better. I was like, okay, I maybe condoms do work. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you're like, okay. Um, So I get my ID, Coleman sends his sperm in, and it's clear. And I'm like, great. I'm not going to have anxiety anymore. Because even with with a vasectomy, women are like, great, I don't have to be on birth control. But my doctor was like, yeah, like, let's put you on birth control. It'll ease your anxiety. Totally. Um, but I'm still really scared to have sex at this point. This is December. Um, so <laughs> Colin's like, okay, I have a vasectomy. You have ID. We can use condoms. Like, I'll pull out. Sorry. Yeah. A lot of sex talk. But really, like, literally, what can I do to make you not feel so anxious about this? Yeah. So, uh, at this point, I'm just thinking, why, like, I'm super worried that I'm anxious about this, because I have no more excuses left. Mm -hmm. I'm like... But really, you're kind of like, why am I anxious about this? Yeah. We have done everything that would make this like yeah. not a possibility and so I'm just thinking I am going to be scared to have sex for the rest of my life I mm. like I'm never going to get over this I was super I was scared that I was scared yeah. so January is probably when it was the worst because I'm I'm, like, avoiding Coleman at this point. I'm going to bed at different times than him, and I'm just, like, don't even want to hug him. Because, again, I'm just so scared that at any point he's just going to ask me to have sex, and I'm going to either have to reject him or, like, just suffer through it. Yeah. I don't know. It was was rough. (sighs) So, yeah, that was January... And, uh, what is it? Now it's July, and it's, it's gotten better since I've been going, um, I've still been seeing my psychiatrist, I've, um, I just started seeing my therapist again. Okay. My, my psychiatrist and Coleman have been telling me, okay, like, you should go see your therapist, but I was super scared I didn't want her to be disappointed in me she like I look up to her so much she's this cute older lady from Texas and oh, she's just it. like she's just like my mentor my teacher my, yeah, she's she like it's a lot to you yeah and I like she's not judgmental at all she sees the craziest stuff and she would have been so nice about it but I was so scared I just didn't want to disappoint her yeah. um and so I just started seeing her like two months ago, and when I told her that I was didn't want to meet with her because I was scared, she felt so bad, and she was like, "What?" She's probably I, like, "I would never want you to feel that like yeah. I would judge you or like hold any feelings towards you because of the decision that you share with me or something." Yeah, she felt really bad about it, and mm-hmm. which made me feel bad that I was making her feel bad. <laughs> <Allie>. <laughs> so much feels and I love it <laughs> yeah I guess <laughs> like, it's yes enter <laughs> uh, yeah so but you told her and she 
actually like yeah uh, i love you yeah it's, like you're great and it's been really nice ever since because she's helped me work through so much because again she's a girl and yes. so yeah she relates on a level that you haven't been able to like yeah. relate with anybody on and like my OBs of guy and everybody that I've been talking to were men and totally. like it just felt really good to talk to a girl and I don't know she just got me and so I feel it makes me feel sad that I didn't go to her immediately because maybe my anxiety wouldn't have been so bad mm -hmm. especially around having sex because yeah. I never felt, I think I already said this, I never felt guilty, and I only regretted it that at that one point when I found out my friend was pregnant. Mm -hmm. Other than that, no regret, no guilt about the termination itself, but I did feel a lot of guilt about not wanting to keep it mm -hmm. because I again like in movies and in books it, you see like these girls like with one night stands and like these 16 year old girls that are all keeping their pregnancies mm -hmm. and like in the hardest situations mm -hmm. here I am 25 married to this great guy we've been married for five years he has a great job like we own a house <laughs> I'm in the perfect spot to have a child yeah and I had never heard of anybody in my position getting an abortion mm -hmm. and so I just felt a lot of guilt about wanting an abortion mm -hmm. not guilt about having it guilt about wanting, wanting. it yeah. and so it's really interesting <laughs> yeah it's just a bummer that I wasn't able to see my therapist sooner Same. because mm -hmm. I feel like it could have maybe prevented a lot of anxiety yeah so, yeah, I don't know. At this point, I am feeling kind of ready to tell people because I've kind of realized that if I don't have anything to be ashamed of, it wasn't a bad thing that I did. Yeah. Having an abortion at six weeks and a few days. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I used to think I'm never going to tell anybody on earth. I'm not gonna, like I'm taking this to my yeah, grave. Die with this secret. But I'm ready to tell people because I just want people to realize that you do. Like a lot of people know somebody that's had an abortion, and mm -hmm. like it's more complicated than you think. A lot of people just think it's people being reckless and having sex like I've seen a lot of social media I've seen this thing what does it say um, every abortion is caused by like reckless ejaculation something like that mm -hmm. and I'm thinking not exactly because me and Coleman were being responsible I had an IUD and which is I thought the, the most we could Effective, do. Effective, like, way to prevent you from being put in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I just feel like it's 
a lot more complicated than people think. There's a lot of reasons that somebody might need to get an abortion. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Just the, like, me wanting to, like, starve myself and, like, I, so, like, back in high school, I would, I don't know if they could call myself bulimic, but I would, like, starve myself and then binge and purge when I was super, like, anxious, like, if I had, like, I don't know, failed a test or (laughs) something dumb, Mm -hmm. and so uh, I wasn't, like, consistent, so I don't know if I could call myself bulimic, but that, I guess, would be a form of self-harm. Yeah. Is binging and purging. Yeah. And so I had gone back into that cycle of, like, starving myself and binging and purging. And, mm-hmm. like, I had felt suicidal, like, more suicidal than maybe any time in my life. And, and so it, it just wasn't right for us to keep it. Mm-hmm. It, like, my sister, she works at a doctor's office, and we were talking the other day, and she was saying, everybody I work with is Mormon but everybody, like, all the doctors are pro-choice because they're educated. They know that there is a lot that goes into having an abortion, and you, they just want whatever is safest for the patient. And (laughs) it's safer to get an abortion, then that is the right decision. Yeah, and I think there's so much value in what you just said, Allie, because, like, Abortion is, like, very taboo. Like, mm-hmm. people don't want to talk about it because it's a difficult conversation to have. But it's also difficult because people don't have, like, all the pieces to the story. And just like you just said, like, for you, finding out you're pregnant, like, sent you into, like, a mental health state that you know and feel that, like, you could not have been the mother you wanted to be for that child. Because, like, it was going to throw you so out of whack and into a place where, like, you were in, like, harm's way. Yeah. You know what I mean? And for you to be able to recognize, like, no, this is going to be more harmful for me and more detrimental for, like, my health, my family. Like, and I won't be able to, like, do this. Like, that is, like, amazing. You know? Because I feel like a lot of times because the subject of abortion is taboo and like because the only times you see it like out there is in these like reckless situations or like you know what I mean like it's very there's a very negative connotation around it that like people go through with pregnancies when like they aren't fit mentally physically emotionally like financially and like the situation is so wild that you're just like an abortion would have been better for everyone involved yeah you know and like that sounds crazy to say but there are situations out there where it's like no like genuinely for the health of the mother this is what was like Mm -hmm. the right decision yeah and to be the voice of that and to be like you guys it's okay that I can tell people that I had an abortion because for me and who I am like that was the safest choice yeah and like that's good that you can be out here and say that 
and like you're gonna empower other people to like I hope be okay in their decision enough to like tell their friends get the support that they need while they're going through this really hard thing because like it wasn't a flippant decision right not at all it wasn't like you were like, okay, it's Tuesday, I'm just gonna go get an abortion. Like, <laughs> but I like that's horrible. I shouldn't make a joke. No, but like, it's real, true. Like, Nobody wants to get an abortion. They're painful. They're expensive. They're traumatizing. Yes. Nobody and wants you're still an abortion. Through it, like, yeah. Ten months later, you know, like, yeah. It's not a flippant thing. Not at all. And I feel like people just get very jaded and believe that it is because of like just the subject matter but it's just like no be real about it and like understand every piece about the picture before you really make a judgment call on why you feel that way about that person's decision because like you don't know yeah you know i mean so i'd say since like january i started having the thought oh <laughs> if i get pregnant again i can just cancel is such uh, I'm like embarrassed to say that but that is I can't control my thoughts and those are my thoughts like and it like I was like oh my gosh that's such a relief like if I get pregnant I can just kill myself that's so bad and my like psychiatrist and therapist have been like mm, I mean if you like don't want to get like you don't want to get an abortion but wouldn't it be worse to kill if you're like, oh, I don't want to kill another baby, wouldn't it be worse to kill you and a baby? That's two lives, not just one life. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I don't know. For some reason in my head, that just makes me feel better. Just the thought, like, oh, wait, there's an out. Like, I don't have to, like, there's a third option. I don't have to have an abortion or keep a baby. I can just end my life. Yeah. And that's, like, so bad. Like, I would hate for somebody else to feel that way. When you put your thoughts in somebody else's head, it makes them so different. Because I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't care if I think that. But what if I'm like, oh, my gosh, if my sister felt like that? Like, yeah. it makes me feel sick. Yes, yeah. So, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, w- I would have been a good mother. I would have been a great mother. Allie, cause you would have <laughs> been fantastic. And, like, if in 15 years you decide to adopt a child because you and Coleman revisit it, like... You'll be amazing. Yeah. This experience does not, like, define you in any way, like, negatively. You know? Like, it it really doesn't. Like, it doesn't change that, like, you love your nieces and nephews. Or that you're a great nanny. Yeah. You know? Or you'll be a great foster mom one day if you want to be. Like, it doesn't determine any of that. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like, even though I... I don't know. I don't want... I didn't want to have the baby, but I know that I would have been a good mom. It's not like I'm like, oh, I can't have the baby because I just wouldn't be a good mom. Uh, Like, I would have made the best of it. It would have been fine. You would have figured out how to do it. Yeah. But it just wasn't ideal. I wouldn't want to have a kid that I dreaded having and that I... Like, I just wouldn't have been able to give them everything that they deserve. And there just would have been something missing for them. And so it, it just ne- it just wasn't right. And I don't know. It just makes me feel sad that people, 
like don't understand that and try and like um demonize it and make women feel really guilty about it when it's a lot more complicated and there's a lot more to it and I wish people more understanding and I feel like maybe that's why I should start telling people because like it opens their eyes out like yeah it really does one story at a time like it opens people's minds and their eyes to the fact that like they don't know everything yeah and the judgments they're making are often very uncalled for yeah because they just don't get it yeah and I mean if I don't know if nobody's ever told me about an abortion if I don't know anybody personally then the people around me I doubt they know anybody who's had an abortion yeah. personally or talked about it but like I was saying, my sister, she works with all Mormon doctors, and they're all pro-choice because they do know people. They do know those situations, and they're educated on the subject. And so I just feel like when people don't understand, it's for lack of education. Mm-hmm. My friend Olivia, who is on the podcast, mm-hmm. um, I was texting her about her episode, and I just said... I know that couldn't have been easy, but I'm. Thank you for telling your story. Mm-hmm. And she said, "I really think that the hardest things to talk about are the most important things to talk about." And it just really struck a chord with me, and I just felt like I need to start telling people my story because I want people to be more understanding, and I. I mean, like when I started going to therapy for OCD and I was surrounded by people with OCD, I felt so understood and I thought these thoughts that I've been having my entire life, I thought I was just so odd and nobody else was feeling these things because when I would talk about them, people were like, "Uh, that's weird, what? Uh So... Being around people with OCD, I felt so understood and seen. You're like, I'm seen. Like, what the heck? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like if I tell people about this, maybe they will feel the same. They'll feel understood and they'll feel seen and they won't feel so alone. Because I felt so lonely. I mean, even just telling you that you're the second person I've told aside from my friends. (laughs) And it feels really nice to tell you just I mean you've been so understanding and so loving and just I really appreciate it well I'm glad you feel that way because like my whole purpose is just to like be the avenue for people to come and share whatever their story is because a lot of the time like we've talked about like they don't know who to tell and it's hard to just like be vulnerable with people you know like you know and love and have to worry about how they're going to respond to you but like I'm an open door I'm just here to like listen and love and respect everybody for their choices and their story and like learn from them because no matter what my beliefs are what my life choices are like I love to see other people's walks of life and like gain more understanding and like be there with them and understand and like heal and grow it just is so rewarding to me so I love that like it's been a good experience for you because it's just like equally for me. I love it. So, and I think I already told you this, but 
like I tell people all the time how nervous I was to get married. Mm-hmm. Like I was so scared. I mean, I was 19 when I got engaged. Yeah, you were young. <laughs> I will admit. <laughs> and I would always tell people. I I would always talk to Colin like I'm so scared. Like aren't you scared? And he'd say, No, I'm not scared. Why are you scared? And I, everybody, is just they always say like when you know you know like. Nobody yes. talks about being scared to get married and going through with it. So I always tell people, I was terrified to get married. And on the day, I just kept thinking in my mind, I don't want to get married, I don't want to get married. <laughs> and then after I got married, I thought, I don't want to be married, I don't want to be married. I mean, it went away. And yeah, I was... Like, now look at you six years later, and you're I like, was, we're happily married. Yeah, <laughs> but... Hard, like, scary things can be good for you and okay. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not ashamed because that was that's just how I was feeling. And yes. you can't control how you feel. Yes. And when I tell people that, they're shocked and, and they say relieved because they're like, "Shiz, I felt the same way." <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And they say nobody ever says that, so thanks for telling me that because yes. I am kind of feeling the same. Yes. And so. Yeah, that's just another reason that I want to talk about this because, I don't know, there's other people going through this and feeling the same things that I feel. I haven't told any of my friends or family, and so I'm pretty scared that, I mean, anything can happen. They're going to judge me, or, I don't know, someone might disown me, never talk to me again. But I just feel like I... I have to tell myself, like, if their love is conditional, then I don't want it. I mean, if they really feel that strongly that I made, like, they disagree with my decision that they're not going to have a relationship with me anymore, then I wouldn't want to... I wouldn't want to keep it a secret knowing, like, oh, if they knew, they wouldn't want to know me. Mm -hmm. Like, I would want... Yeah, so I'm like, they should, either way, if they're not going to be my friend, then, I don't know. <laughs> Sucks for them, because you're great. <sighs> yeah, I guess. Hopefully. <laughs> well, you guys, in closing, I'd like to share just a couple more of Allie's words that she sent me as we've talked about her experience recording her story. She said, The fear of getting pregnant again is nearly constant and absolutely debilitating. I hope that one day I don't pray that my breast tenderness is from breast cancer and not pregnancy symptoms. After years of working so hard with doctors and a therapist, I was finally at peace. My relationship with Coleman had never been better. On days that I feel angry and frustrated that I'm back to square one and like I'll never be normal again, I try to think about this time and how hard I worked to get there. It gives me hope that I can get there again someday. I did it once. I can do it again. I'd like to close out by just saying how proud I am of Allie for being so courageous and willing to share her story. It's not an easy one to share. And I know that someone else out there who may be going through something similar to her will be grateful that she opened up and was willing to be, you know, the one to open the door to this conversation because it's not an easy one to have so thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did if you're not already follow along on instagram at undereducated.pod and catch us here next week for another episode mm-hmm.